Okay, Shalom Ubracha. We are continuing with where we left off, Baruch Hashem. Uh, just about fasting. Rav Nosen, he writes some details about what food does to a person and what fasting does to a person. A person is directly influenced by the food he eats, which means your emotions and everything is from the food. And what determines that is the bracha you said, if, if you said a bracha, number one, and if you did say a bracha, how you said the bracha, and number three, what you're eating. You know, to eat uh, healthy food, to eat okay food, and to eat at the right time and everything. And the food can be a major boost or major impediment. The food is what joins the body and the neshama together. So the, because that food is something so important in the life of a Jew. Fasting, on the other hand, is also something very special. Because fasting is an opportunity to cleanse the body. The body is still attached to the, the soul, but you're now weaning the connection by, by fasting. And the opportunity of the fast is that it prepares the body to be ready to receive again properly from the neshama. This is why Rabbi Nachman says the most important thing about a fast is how you end the fast. <laughs> in other words, what happens after the fast? How you start again? Because the fast, in breast of teachings, they say a fast for the fasts are obligatory. But most people they say, oh, I have to fast again. Oh, another fast. In breast of they say they look at fasting as a golden opportunity to reboot, to restart. You go through so many crazy things in life and the food has a major influence on it. So the fasting says, okay, okay, wait a second, let's start again, boom, clean, and then what happens afterwards? So it's a big thing, the idea of fasting. They would say in Breslov that when Rabbi Nachman was against optional fasts, he said like this, somebody who uh, doesn't come to me for Rosh Hashanah should not do optional fasts. Optional fast is where a person takes upon himself to do a personal fast for tshuva, for repentance purposes, whatever. You know, like it's outlined in Shulchan There's the laws of fasting, how to do it. You have to receive upon yourself the mincha before and all these things to do optional fasts. So Rabbi Nachman said in this generation, we're so weak that the fasts don't help that much. They can even cause more damage. He says it's like a bag that has holes in it. And you empty out the bag, but still has the holes still. The body is like the bag. And you empty it out by not eating, but you still have holes in it. So what is it up? You didn't fix your bag. You know, you have to do other things to fix your bag. So he said, Rabbi Nachman, people who don't come to me for Rosh Hashanah should not do optional fasts. And people who do come from Rosh Hashanah have no need to fast. So in other words, no fasting, not here, not here. However, ob obligatory fasts, which are the Arba Taniyot, they said you grab them like a cake. You grab them like a cake. It's a golden opportunity to refresh the body. You'll see in life, in the year, before as the 10th of Tevet, before Tzam Gedaya, before Tisha B'Av, you're going through a lot of crazy things, a lot of crazy things in the world, because those, those are months of Dinim. Tevet is a month of Dinim, judgments. Uh, Tammuz is a month of Dinim, and Av is a month of Dinim. So added, added to it is how you're eating, what you're eating. Uh, uh, food is called on Lechem, right? The Lechem is the main eating of the food. And lechem, bread, comes to the, the wording of milchama, war. When you're eating, it's battle. It's, it's not easy, it's a battle. Okay? So when these fasts come along, it's a, it's a golden opportunity to recharge, to restart again. 
And it's an obligation. It's a halacha. It's great. In other words, the Torah is obliging you to do this cleansing for your own good. It's going to help you the fast. Again, according to simple meaning, what the Mishnah Bura brings down, quoting the Rambam and everything, the whole purpose of a fast is that a person begins to reflect on his life, to check, to put himself into check if I'm doing things okay or not. Am I doing all things? Am I okay or not? Because a person all year round is running and running and running. What the fast forces you to do, to be a bit heavy, to be a bit drained, to take it easy, and to begin to focus on yourself. It says in a fast day you shouldn't be doing uh, like okay let's go to the beach let's go to, 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 to go let's go party let's go to like a playground and stuff no it says you shouldn't be metayel I just saw that in halachah you're not supposed to go around and having fun and forget about the fast you should have the fast in mind but not the sadness what the fast is doing is letting you to reflect on your life it's like a break to start again in a sense fasting in our context of lesson twenty four it's like the bounce back. Bounce back. Because while a person is eating and doing and he's trying to go up and up and up, and then the fast, like, okay, boom, you're pushed back. It's, it's that concept of having a, a pushback. Because what does the pushback do, like we said? Like we're going to see. We didn't go into it as, as much as we should because we're, we're, we're not there yet. It's right? The bounce back allows you to settle and reorganize your mind. The fast does the exact same thing. A fast put, slows you down. Your head's out there, what? I can't really think today, you know. You have a Gemara share every day, but on the fast day, you can't think. Your head is not for the Gemara. So, so is that wrong? Is that bad? No, you're supposed to be doing other things. What other things? It's a time to just step out and reflect on your life. What are you doing? Are you doing things right? Doing things wrong? And the, the Chachamim, they weren't stupid. They do things excellent at the right time. At the beginning of the three weeks and at the end of the three weeks, so that you have this perspective in the right order in the right place, Mizrat Hashem. This is why it's so important, the, the, these fasts. It's like an opportunity. It should, be, it should be seen as a golden opportunity to clean the body, to clean the neshama, and to, and to start again, Mizrat Hashem. Another thing to mention, uh, Rav Nosin, in our lesson, he expands the idea of the Hechalat Murot. We didn't yet go into this term, Hechalat Murot. It's brought down at the end of the lesson, the exchange chambers. He calls the evil the domain of exchanges. Because the job of the Yetzirah is to fool a person. At every stage of your life, the Yetzirah is there to fool you, to play games with you, and to convince you to do the right, that the right thing is wrong, and the wrong thing is right, and that's where the most of fr- people's frustrations and, uh, and mistakes and guilt comes from, is that they fall into the traps of the Yetzirah. Oh, I should have eaten that cookie. And the Yitzhah says, you know, you need to eat that cookie and you need that food because, you know, you're, you're hungry and energy and then you eat it and then you want to say, I'll go, I'll go back to learn right after that. And then what happens? You go to eat the cookie and the guy stops you and says, oh, what's then? How's it going? And then he starts talking to you for 25 minutes and everything. So you ate the cookie, but you lost out on the learning. And then what do you say afterwards? You do cheshbon and nefesh. If I wouldn't eat the cookie, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't have lost out on my learning because I went out, I spoke to this guy and that guy and all these things happened, right? So the Yitzhar is able to play games every day. And it's going to happen to every day until you die. That's how it is, okay? So one of the things Yitzhar works on is getting people broken from Yirat Shemaim itself. Okay, he says, Rav Nosen, there's a nega, he calls it, there's a plague in this generation, especially now in these generations, where people, because of their Yirat Shemaim, they fall totally. To explain. To explain, yeah. How do people fall totally? from your Shemayim. 
Yirat Shemayim, fear is the essence of fear of Hashem, is fear of punishment. That what gets you to get up in the morning, what gets you to keep Shabbat, because you know that if you're not going to behave and be a good boy according to the Torah, you're going to get a patch, you're going to get it, you're going to get retribution. You, you have a fear to turn on a light switch on Shabbat, because you know it's Asur. So what that it's Asur? You're going to get punished. It's Isur Karet and everything, right? You know, oh my God, this thing, when you, when you hear a thing about transgression, it, it holds you back. What's holding you back? What's called Yirat Onish. He says, Rabbi Nachman and Rav Nosson brings it down, that Yirat Onish is the main Yira. Even for the biggest tzaddikim, as even those what's called Yira Ila'a, upper fear, where a person, for example, stands at the Grand Canyon or the Swiss Alps, and he admires the beauty of Hashem, the create, and he has an awe of Hashem from the creation, from, from a marabum asech Hashem, person that's amazed about everything, that's a high level of Yira. He says, everyone, even tzaddikim, to start off and to serve Hashem, they all need your atonish. You need that fear of pff, getting the electric shock if you, don't, if you don't behave. Okay, you need that. Okay? So what happens is by most people, this itself is what breaks them. Why? Because people afterwards, they can't stand up to their challenges and they fall. And even they go against the Torah, they sin. So then the Yerat Onish says, you see, you're finished. You're going to have Gehenam. It's like, you know, those people, they say, he has 186 life sentences with no parole. You know, there's these people, like this guy from, from downtown Manhattan or the Bronx and everything. So he killed like 25 people in his life. He has, we gave him 185 life sentences, no parole, okay? So the person says about himself, a person who believes in Hashem, a person who believes in reward and punishment. So after falling, so what does he say to himself? So, it hits, so anyway, if I'm falling, just enjoy yourself, because anyways you're going to die. Anyways you're finished. Why put on tefillin? You know, they say this. Why should I put on tefillin? If anyways I'm doing, anyways I'm going to Gehenam based on my reasoning and my logic. So why should I put on tefillin? Why should I keep on Shabbat? As if Hashem wants my tefillin. As if Hashem wants my Shabbat and everything. So Vanessa says, this is the trap of many, many people. What do you call them? OTD. OTD man, <laughs> off the derech. OTD, I'm an OTD man. OTD children, what what brought them off is there was too much year in the house. The parents, oh yeah, how could you do this? And he got so broken because and frustrated that he's making his parents feel bad and he's bad at everything. So he drops it totally. Common, huh? Very common today. Shemrachim by the frumvelt, the the from people, people falling off. It's because because of this. It's where the Yira is Lira'a, Velo Letova. Rav Nosson says, no. Yira Tashem is Lechaim. Yira Tashem Tosif Chaim. The purpose of Yir Shemaim is to bring you closer. So then, so then ask me, so what's the analogy? This is the only opportunity, op- uh, this is the only, only uh, anal- uh, scenario that we see. That a person knows that there's reward and punishment, and he falls, and they say, oh, you can get punished for it. So then what do you want him to think? Ah. So Rav Nosson says, this is the whole thing. Hashem is so great that on one hand you're going to get punished for what you did but Hashem's compassion is even far more greater that if you hold on and start again and do good you can transform the avonot to zchuyot you can turn the sins to merits not just to wipe out the sins but you can take the sins themselves and turn them to mitzvot, to credits okay, that's unbelievable that if you hold on enough, you can transform the bad to good. This is the only way to do it, is if the person is besimcha, and he invests in doing mitzvah besimcha, 
and he has a positive attitude. Without this, no way. No way a person won't make it. Won't make it. So Vlosin says, this is how the Yitzharav exchange chambers gets most of the people. He uses the Yerat Shemaim itself to break them. And it's opposite. Yerat Shemaim is supposed to help me, not to bring me down. The purpose, Rav Nosson told his son, his son, Rav Yitzchak, he started learning the book uh, Reshit Chochmah. Reshit Chochmah is a very scary book because it explains all the punishments for every type of sin and everything, what happens when they put a person in the, in the grave, what's the first stage, the second stage of the punishment and the cleansing and the hitting and everything. Okay, so Rav Yitzchak was complaining to his father, Rav Nosson, and he gets very depressed when learning this book, Reshit Chochmah. So Rav Nosson told his son, Rav Yitzchak, the author of this sefer, Rashid Chochmah, had no intent at all to break you from this book. If you now feel broken by learning this sefer, then learn something else. Okay, if you can't, but it's Torah, I have to learn Torah, I'm obligated. You know, these people, they, they think it's a mitzvah to be sad, you know, uh, on uh, Yom HaShoah or Holocaust the Memorial Day or other days. So they purposely go and watch all these Holocaust videos you know, of the, the bones and the bodies and everything, because I have to, I have to share in my nation suffering and everything. In the end, the loss is much greater than the gain because they end up being depressed and sad and has a subconscious effect on them and then they're down and then they take it on their wife, on their spouse, on the children at home and then they start eating and fussing and they act, they, they lose out and then you lost out more than you gain by trying to, Rabbi Nachman was very against this. He said, even when it comes to halacha, when learning like the laws of mourning, which are sad, the laws in Shulchan Aruch of Hilchot Averut, Rabbi Nachman said, go through it fast. Don't spend too much time on negative ideas in the Torah. When you came to Gemara, like, you know, Kamtza Bar Kamtza, or Masachet Gitim, and it's part of the Daf Yomi, all this, this, the, the stories in the Gemara that are sad, or Midrash Eicha, you learn that Yesh obligation, but don't be me'ayin, no, we have to go into it, we have to go all the details and everything, and then you end up being very sad, and more sad because you're going into it, you lost out, that's not the purpose, okay? The Yetzirah, at every shlav tries to get a person. The, Rabbi Nachman says the Yetzirah is not stupid. He won't come to you like a skinhead, shaven, hey man, you know. He'll come to you with a big strimal Yetzirah, big bass, you know, and the long beckish and the big beard, and that's how he's going to bring you down. You got that? He'll come up dressed in mitzvot, he says. That's a very opening lesson of the Kutimah, lesson number one. Rabbi Nachman brings us down in our context. This is the Hechalat Murot. <coughs> the way to be saved from the Hechalat Murot is if you besimcha, no one, the exchanged chambers, which is the domain of the Yetzirah, if you hold on to true simcha, you can, you can make it out of it, okay? So I, I think I, I have to remember the story I heard. It was an amazing story. Ugh. Someone just shared me an amazing story. There was a guy dying or something. A, very, a guy was very happy. There was a guy who was very happy. He made everybody happy. He was, he was a restaurant uh, manager. And he jumped from restaurant to restaurant. And he made everybody laughing and joking at work. So when he left, the other workers also left with him. They wanted to go with him. So when he went to work for another restaurant, the chef left, the waiters left, because they liked him so much, okay? So once he was working and managing a restaurant, and they left the back door open, and a robber came in, and he stuck out the gun and everything. And out of shock, he said, what are you doing? So the robber, you know, with the, the panic of the situation, shot him. And he, he was like dying, he was bleeding to death. So a guy came in after the robber took off, and he saw he's dying, he said they called the ambulance and everything. And they took him to the hospital and they said, this guy is really dying. And all the workers came because they loved him so much, he was such a good boss, a good manager, making everybody happy. 
So he was conscious still, and the doctors are saying, we don't know how we're going to get this thing out. Is the, the bullet's inside, and it's a very deep wound, and it's a big surgery. So he said to himself, I'm going to die like this. My whole life was making other people happy and being happy, and I'm going to die like this. So I forgot exactly what happened, but he told a joke to the doctors while he was dying. <laughs> they all cracked up, and he said, we ought to save a guy like this. We're not going to let it happen. And they worked extra hard, and they saved him. Okay? <laughs> but the point, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is even a person's dying... If he's able to tell a joke and be happy, this is what can save him. And again, it's not easy, it's easy to talk. But if you work on being misimcha, it's the biggest gift, the biggest matana. The biggest gift to go through everything in life is having a positive attitude. It gets you through everything. That's what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us here. That your simcha is what will lead you to reach these high levels. So that even when you get the bounce back, you take it properly. You're able to receive the bounce back. Most people, their problem is the, the, the high, the, the going up was not stable. And because of that, the crash also was not stable. If you're up in life is stable, stability, which means you're doing it besimcha and not out of, you know, people, they have like a extra form, extra energy, like they're mamash, they, have, they feel like they have energy, so they're using it, but being serious and uh, tough and everything. When these people crash, they crash, ho oh, oh, ho, they crash very, very low. Whereas somebody who's doing everything besimcha and there's always a happy atmosphere with the person, so he has an up, yeah? But when he has the crash down, it's not a crash. He's able to go down and, and handle it, you know, he has extra cushioning on his, on his behind. So when he's going down the, the, the mountain, boom, 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 you know, he's okay. It's not so hard, it doesn't hurt. He has extra cushioning, so it's okay. He knows how to go down, he knows how to take it good and to get back on his feet. The parachute guy who lands, you know, it opens, the, 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 one, the parachutist who opens the parachute last minute, the person who opened it up at the right time. Want to open it last minute, so he breaks his legs. That's <laughs> gone, this is his legs. They open up the parachute on the right time, it's a nice smooth landing, like James Bond, you know. And he walks out, everything okay, and like that, you know, fixes his tie. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I hope you're laughing, are you laughing, Mrs. Kim? I hope you're laughing, Kim, okay. And there's a lady's picture here. She's always smiling, so I assume she's laughing with me at the joke. Of course okay. I'm laughing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, good. Okay, so with all that said... I'm laughing. You're the best. I just want to tell you something. There's a lot of Torah out there. It's so true what you're saying about Simcha. I just want to say thanks for the call-out. Miss you. Enjoy the water. Thank you. Near Bracha. What is that, Amen. What amen. Is that, amen. 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 Everyone saying amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Shkoyach. So we're continuing. Um, well, let's go into the verse again. We're holding still by Aaron. The hands of Aaron. You remember the hands of Aaron? So let's just go over again this, this little piece here from paragraph number four. Okay, I'm going to start at the point where we actually left off because we're just reviewing again and again. It doesn't like end. Okay, the ikar brachot miyadaim, paragraph number four towards the end. We said here, the essence of blessings comes from the hands. Okay, he's going to this. Rabbi Nachman wants you to understand this concept that hands connote bracha. On a simple level, every action in, in life is mainly with hands. Activity, it's called maase yadenu, maase yadav, maase. Those of hands, right? Right? Also, in business transactions, what do we say in Hebrew? Masa umatan. Masa means what? Take like to lift up, but that's with hands. 
you don't massage with your legs unless you're a, a good soccer player, you know, you pick up with your feet and everything. But masa normally is with the hands. Matan, take, give and take. Matan, matan is with the hands, okay? So all actions, we do mitzvot, by the way. Even if, like, for example, davening is with the mouth, okay? Still, the mouth is connected to the idea of the hands. Like we said, that the shefa, the ten fingers, are, play such an important role in the life of a Jew and in the life of everybody. Because, first of all, that's the hands. But Hashem designed it that there's specifically ten fingers because they correspond to the ten svirot, number one, and the ten utterances of the creation. All of creation, the Zohar says, is included in the ten fingers. That's why we said, like last week, a person has to be very careful never to raise their hands empty, with emptiness. In other words, when you raise your hands, it should be with blessings, with prayer and everything. Because as soon as a Jew elevates his hands, it activates the ten fingers, activate the ten channels of the ten sefirot, and they're, they're sending down bracha. If a person now doesn't say a prayer with it, so the bracha has nowhere to hold on to, so it goes automatically to the evil side. That's why the nails are on the other side of the hands. The hands are the biggest uh, transmitters and the tzinorot, the channels for bracha, but at the same time, the biggest klipot are in the hand. That's what the nails are. The nails is klipa, is evil, right? Negel Vasa, we went into this last week, you remember? You wash your hands in the morning because the tumah is on the nails. In Yiddish, Negel Vasa, washing the nails, dafka the nails, because that's where the impurity is on a person. So if a person raises his hand and he doesn't do it with, with an intent of, bring, of, of prayer, of bringing down bless, of pr- prayer and bracha and, 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 and requests, so it goes to the evil side, the, 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 the idea of the nails, which are on the other side of the hands. The exact same hands has the greatest potential for good and has the greatest potential for bad, okay? So this, this point of bracha and the hands, Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach us this thing. Ikar brachot miyadayim. So now the Kohanim, yeah. Well, in Brikat Kohanim, they don't go like this to us. They go like this to us. Because they want this side to be. But you know what's amazing? Is on this lesson, we're understanding blessing coming from heaven. And then Rabbi Nachman brings an example of blessings coming from Aharon. <laughs> from a coin. His proof to connecting brachot to hands is this pasuk. Okay? He says, essence of the brachas is from the hands, like it says in Vayikra, Parshat Shemini, which we're going to see in soon, chapter 9, Vayisa Aharon et yada velaam vayvarechem. And Aharon raised his hands to the nation and gave them bracha. One second, some guys trying to get in here. Okay. So his proof is, you see, that he raised his hand and blessed them. That, that Aharon couldn't just go like this. You know, may you be blessed. You know, I think I think by by the Catholics and Christians, you know, they're 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 they're, they're um, they don't stick their hands out to people. You know, they stand in line to get a blessing, and the priest, I think, his hands are down. Maybe blessed, maybe blessed, maybe blessed. But the tzaddikim is like, you know, we should be blessed. We should have bracha v'atzlacha. You know, a rebbe. What does a rebbe do? The tish, the chaim, the hand. The hand is out, right? Mm-hmm. The Baba rebbe. There was pictures of the hands. I think Rabbi Yoyedi. All the tzaddikim. There was always the any of the hands. Not just like. Like this, but there's also there's the idea of a hand sticking out. There's a hand associated with the idea of bracha. Okay? So, let's go into this a little bit more. Look at the, this pasuk is from Vaikra Tet Shmini. 
When Rabbi Nachman brings a pasuk again, it all fits in. So Rabbi Nachman's teaching us the connection between the hands and blessings. The proof he brings here is by Aaron giving a bracha to the Jewish people using his hands. But how does that connect to me, personally? Aaron giving a bracha, Birkat Kohanim, great, but I'm not a Kohen. <laughs> it doesn't talk to me personally. And even if it's a Kohen, the, uh, in, in Diaspora, they don't give Birkat Kohanim every day. It's like three times a year they have Birkat Kohanim by Nashkenazim. Sephardim, it's every day, fine. But uh, Birkat Kohanim is not a- every moment. It's not like at all times. It's at certain times of the year. And you want to teach us, Rabbi Nachman, the idea of blessing in the hands. And you give an example of something which is like rare. What's going on? Let's take a look why Rabbi Nachman is bringing this pasuk from, our, from Parashat Shmini. Okay, look at this. This is the... This is 9.22. So 9.22 is over here. The Parashat Shmini talks about the inauguration. Okay, it talks about the inauguration of the temple on the eighth day, which was Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Okay, and then Moshe was ordering which korbanot to bring. So the Parsha starts off all these. We don't have to go into all the verses because a lot of verses here. Right? He said, bring this egil. There's a shlamim. There's a chatat. There are all the types of the korbanot. Okay? And after this, and they, they sacrificed him, and, they, and they, they spilled the blood, and they sprinkled the blood here, and the blood there, and then on, and they washed their hands, and they, they cleaned the animals' parts, and they put it on the mizbeach, all these things, okay? And then it says, after all this, after all the devotions were done, all the sacrifices were done on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the last verse, right, verse 21, He took the the chests of the animals, the pieces, and the shokai, I mean the right leg of the animal. He did a tenufa with them, a waving before Hashem, as, as Moshe ordered him. And then right after that, Pasuk 22, Aaron raised his hands to the nation and he blessed them. And he came down from doing the korban chatat, the ola and the shlamim. We don't know which blessing he said. Rashi says, and this is one of the opinions in Chazal, that he did Birkat Kwanim. Aaron raised his hands to the nation and blessed them. What did he bless them? Rashi says, He did Birkat Kwanim. The Gemara also learns like this. There's an opinion in the Sifra that it's not, we don't know what Bracha it is, but Rashi holds right the second opinion that we know this is the Birkat Kwanim. And it's learned out in the Gemara. Sota, they learn out many laws of Bikat Kohanim from this Pasuk. Even though it doesn't say explicitly, Yivarecha, Ya'er, Yisa Hashem, we understand that this is the Bikat Kohanim. Well, it learns out that you should do it by Shemun That's Tfilah, because Tfilah and Korbanot. Right, no, but you should do it that, and where specifically to do it. Because it's after the Avodah. It's after the Avodah. Very good. Ah, very good. And it was just like this Pasuk is after all the Korbanot. So too, Birkat Kohanim is at the end of the Shemone Esra, right. By the way, um, who says it? The Sefer HaKaneh, and I think uh, maybe the Ramak, they write that davening with Birkat Kohanim and davening without Birkat Kohanim is like worlds apart. When you have the Birkat Kohanim and the davening, it's a totally different davening. When they channel with their hands the, the, the Kohanim, they, they lift up and they do the Birkat Kohanim in the prayer service, it's activated the ten everything like big time, and the davening has a big big aliyah. They say this. That's why it's a big thing to try to daven in a minyan, in a minyan that has berkat kohanim. Okay, 
So the, the, like the fine, the verse, Aaron raised his hands. Also, it says it's written Yado. You look at the pasuk also. Yud Dalit Vav. There's no Yud Dalit Yud Vav, which is plural, which means hands. It says yeah, the, the the writing is Yado, one hand. We read it Yadav, but it's written Yado. The Zohar says from that we learn that the coin has to lift up the right hand a little, a little bit more higher than the left hand to include the the Yado, one hand. Which hand? The right. But it's we we, we say Yadav plural. So why? How do you resolve it? That's the right hand a bit higher than the left hand. So the left hand, which is dinim, is under the right hand. By the way, also, Aharon went into a lot last week. Aharon also represents what? The sphere of Hod. What's Hod? Hod is the left leg. Hod is the culmination of all the energy of the Sfirot before they go down to what's called Tiferet, and then Yesod, and then Malchut. Hod is the culmination. Okay, that means all the judgments are there, stuck there. All the energy and judgments are there because it's the left leg. So Hod is the left leg. And Aharon reached such a high level that being Hod, but at the same time elevating himself to be a Kohen, which is Chesed, he lifted himself. So the Pasuk reads, Vaisa Aharon, we lift up. Aharon represents the legs. Because remember, how do we get to this Pasuk? How do we get to where we are holding in this lesson? That when a person does the mitzvot with joy, He's able to elevate the holy sparks, the mitzvah, the shekhinah that's trapped in the evil and the, the exchange chambers and elevate it to the level of the legs. Okay? Next stage we said, if you remember, is that now this energy creates legs, which means that the mitzvah that you do now after elevating from being trapped in the klipot by doing it b'simcha, this mitzvah now is powered to wake up everyone to do tshuva, to wake up people. To, there's, an, there's an arousal in the world. Once that happens, the next stage is it goes up to the level of the hands. Okay? So with this, Aharon represents the leg. Vayisa Aharon, we lift up the leg, et yadav, to the level of hands. We now elevate Aharon to the level of hands. That's the idea, how it fits in in the Pasuk. Okay? So, that, so let's go back. So Aharon, he blessed them. He raised his hands to the nation and he gave them the bracha. Why, why is he doing this bracha now? Why is he saying this bracha at this point? Well, this is the inauguration of the temple, the Mishkan. The Mishkan's purpose is to enable every Jew to connect to the infinite light. That's the whole idea of the Mishkan. The whole idea of the Mishkan in this world was every Jew, no matter where he is, he would come to the Mishkan, offer sacrifices, and the Mishkan would be able to be connected to the infinite light. So now, this bracha done, was, it was done in a way to, to, to solidify that action. That after a person would come to the Mishkan, offer sacrifices. The, the, the whole idea of the Mishkan being inaugurated with Aharon's blessings is that it should have this capacity to bring down bracha to any Jew who comes there to the Mishkan. That's why he's giving a bracha there. In the Bikat Koni. So he came down from doing the Khatat, the Ola, the Shlamim. And then the next Pasuk, Pasuk 23, And again, why a second time? Okay, it says, and Moshe and Aharon went into the oil moed because here they were standing in the section where all the Jewish people were in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the courtyard. Okay, and then Moshe and Aharon into the oil moed tent of meeting, which is the holy of holies tent of meeting, oil moed, the place Kavur where Hashem would speak to Moshe and Rabbeinu from. He went in with Moshe went in with Aharon together. Why? Rashi says to teach Aharon. How to do the Ktoret. That was missing. That was still missing. 
the Torah was at this point, they came out, and then a second time, why second time? Rashi says, this time it was a different bracha. The second bracha was what? Rashi says, Yehiratzon shetishre shechina b'maaseh yedechem. Amazing. Then Yehiratzon, that the divine presence should rest on the actions of your hands. Why the second bracha? Why second bracha? You just did the first bracha, Yivarechecha Ya'er Yisa, and now the second bracha after the Ktorit. First bracha was after the sacrifices, before the Ktorit, Ktorit, and then a second bracha, okay? By Varechu Ta'am, it's Moshe and Aharon now blessing. Not just Aharon. Two of them blessing. What's going on here? There's a blessing coming from both of them, okay? And then, as soon as they did their bracha, so again, here there's a lot of depth, obviously. The first bracha was to initiate the accessibility of the infinite light in this world. That was the first bracha and the sacrifices to inaugurate. But it's not enough. We, for a Jew to connect, for like a sin, after sinning, you do need the ktorit. A Jew wouldn't offer to the ktorit, okay? Ktorit was offered for the whole Jewish nation every morning and every afternoon. What was the purpose of the ktorit? The ktorit kills all the klipot that are preventing holiness that's trapped in the evil from going up to be able to go up. Ktorit is needed. A Jew would come with his personal sin offering and everything. If it wasn't for the ktorit offered in the morning and, and, and afterwards in the afternoon, even if a Jew would bring a sacrifice, it wouldn't work. You would need the ktorit to, to be able to release the clutches of the evil of the person's kedusha that's trapped. Now what's needed for him is to do tshuva, to come back. That's why he would come and bring a korban, okay? So now, Moshe taught Aharon how to do the ktorit. Once now they have the ktorit there, now there can be an official bracha for the nation, that now the bracha goes on the act of the ktorit. I have a question here. Rabbi Nachman should have brought this pasuk. But they can't bring it here because we don't learn yad. There's no yad in the, in the pasuk. Just a question on the side. The bracha that, that's more appropriate is the bracha that's after the ktorit. Because in our lesson, we said ktorit comes first. Ktorit is elevating the kedusha trapped in the evil by doing mitzvot besimcha. Rabbi Nachman equates that with ktorit. Do you remember? Ktorit yesamach lev. Ktorit and simcha are synonymous. Ktorit brings the simcha. That's why it's important to say ktorit every morning and every afternoon. But also it, it, it brings the simcha and it is simcha. It represents simcha. So that would happen first, and then bracha happens. It's a question that's happening on the side here. They blessed the, the nation a second time, that the Shekhinah should now rest, and then that's when and then the, the glory of Hashem revealed itself to all the nation. And then the next pasuk, 24, Unbelievable. A fire came out from before Hashem and it ate on, this, on the altar the Ola, the burnt offering, and all the fats from the other, other korbanot. And the whole nation saw that Hashem came to accept their sacrifices. What's Yaronu? Simcha. Rina. And at the same time, What's It's similar to what? Nefilat after the davening. What's Nefilat It's going down again, going down. We said, I don't know if we went into this, 
the laws of Nefi Rav Nosson says after the Shimon Yisra, it's such a high, right after Shimon Yisra, we do what? We do Tachanun. Tachanun, we go and you know, put your hand on your, on your arm, and you sit down and you do the Tachanun. What's happening? You're just at the highest level. The, the Shimon Yisra and the Kabbalah is called what? Atzilut. It's like the fourth world, the fourth dimension. You're in the highest dimension. And then after the highest dimension, you would assume now we go down slowly. No. Right after the Shimon Yisra, there's Vidu in Tachanun, we go down back to the Klipot. We went into this a little. There's different Minhagim. Um, there's Psalm 20, uh, 24 or 25. I think it's 24. I keep on forgetting always. The David. Hashem, uh, with the Sfardim say Psalm 24. And 25. We don't, 25, thank you. We, we do Psalm 25 and we don't do, we don't put our hand down. Why? They say if you do both, if you put your hand down, and say chapter 25 together, it's very dangerous. <laughs> what? Chabad does it though. Chabad, they do both. So what normal, normal Hasidim, normal, other Hasidim and Ashkenazim, they don't say, they do the, they do the what's called Nefilat Apayim, they put their head on the arm, but they don't say chapter 25. Svarim do chapter 25, but they don't do, do, they do. Chabad, they do both. Hashem, okay? But it says it's a very dangerous time. Why is it so dangerous? Because you're taking all the energy from the highest world, which is the Shemona Esra, and now you're purposely going down to the depths of the Klipot again, a second time. It's not enough that I'm in the Klipot when I wake up in the morning, I wake up half dead. You know, you wake up in the Klipot, I have to go back after the davening? The answer is yes. Because now that you've went up such a high experience, now you're ready to go back down. That's what's happening here, by the way, also. That he went in a second time, Moshe went with Aaron, taught him how to do the Ketoret, because Ketoret is what? to go back to the klipot, and the second time here, and then there was bracha, the bracha, and at that point, the fire came, ate the korbanot, the Jews did two things, vayaronu, they had vina, and again they fell on their faces, okay? And then the next pasuk, the two sons of Aharon, Nadav and Avio, took without permission, without the, wrong, the, without the right time, nothing, and they weren't married, we weren't all these things, they offered the Torah without permission, and they were burnt. We went into that last week. That they did, that, that, that uh, Nadav and Aviu fixed the tikkun for Aharon. We said last week to fix the Kiddush Hashem of Aharon. It's all, we can't go now with all the details. We did last week in the last week's class. It's a whole whole thing. But the, this is, he, he was the opposite of the blemish. Uh, that's why Aharon was kept alive. He was kept alive because he was able to balance, to go up and down and to be balanced. Nadav and Aviu were not married. They came in drunk and they offered Ktoret so that they could become one of the infinite light. And this was needed to inaugurate this, this the Mishkan. It was needed that someone do this. So the rest of Am Yisrael don't have to do this. They did it for us, the Davan Aviyu. They did what they did of, of, being, of being involved in the, in, the, in, the, in the infinite light totally for our sake. So this is what the, the whole perspective of these Psukim is. Okay? Ikar He raised his hands to give the bracha. This is the bracha that's associated with the hands. Okay? Rabbi Nachman now is not happy just with this one pasuk of Aaron. He brings a second pasuk. There's a rule in learning the Kutemoram. When Rabbi Nachman brings two verses, or more than one verse, he has a reason. In other words, you just explained yourself. Bracha and Yadayim, I see. I see from this pasuk in Aaron. Now he brings a second pasuk, to sh- and also like it's written, to show... Huh? Maybe it's because of your question. Maybe, maybe there, there, there's something the more now in this pasuk also. Now also like it says, to show the connection between hands and blessings, 
So now he goes to Genesis, Bereshit, the last parasha, parasha Vayechi, chapter 49, at the, at the blessings that Yaakov gave to Yosef. It says, right after this, is Midei Avir Yaakov, Misham Ro'e Even Yisrael. That Yosef, it says there, we, I'm going to need a chumash also, another chumash. It says there in, in, in Bereshit that all this, all of this greatness Yosef merited, right? Because from the hands of Yaakov, from the hands, yeah, I'll thank you, from the hands of the strength of Yaakov, okay? From the hands of Yaakov's champion, Avir Yaakov, from there, Misham, Ro'e Eben Yisrael, from there, Yosef merited to be the shepherd for the stone of Israel. So these are brachot, this whole parashot here, chapter 49, are blessings that Yaakov gave to all of the 12 sons. Okay, the 12 tribes got blessings. So this brachot. And he's saying by the brachot of Yosef, midei avir Yaakov, from the, from the hands of the strength of Yaakov, misham even Yisrael. Here we need, we need to go into the Gemara, what explains this verse. The Gemara says like this. First of all, how does the whole verse read? This is from chapter 49, in the end of Chumash Bereshit, okay, Parshat Vayechi. Yaakov is about to pass away. He's about to pass on. And he's blessing each one of his sons. So the blessing of Yosef, again, it's chapter 49, chapter 49, 24. Chapter 25, 20, 24, 24. 24. It says, this is like the translation of the beginning of the blessings. Ben He's a son of Porat, a fruitful son, Yosef. There's also many meanings to Porat. Ben Porat Aleain, a son who's fruitful that goes over the eye. There's no Ein Hara on, on, on Yosef and his descendants. Banot Sa'ada Aleishur. The girls in Egypt, they were so uh, turned on by his beauty, how handsome he was. They would step on their toes on the, on the wall in order to peek to see when Yosef would be passing. He was a viceroy, right? And for modesty, people wouldn't be on the street when he would pass. So the girls, they were so turned on by him, so they would tsaada, they would stand on their tiptoes to look over the wall to see Yosef as he was passing by. Vaimareruhu, Varobu, his brothers made him bitter and they fought against him, Rovu, they did machloket. Vaistemuhu balechitzim, and these ones who were balechitzim, in other words, they were ready to attack him with, with arrows, they hated him. And then the next verse, Vateshev be'itan kashto, Unbelievable. His keshet, his bow, stood strongly. And his, the arms of his hands spread out. We're going to see what it means based on the Gemara. All of this, from the hands of Avir Yaakov, the strength of Yaakov. From there, Yosef merited to be a shepherd for Evan Yisrael. Evan doesn't just mean a stone. It means Av Uben. Evan. Father and son. Yosef became so strong that he was able to supply and nourish both his father and the, the sons of his father, the brothers, the children. He became so powerful he was able to give bracha to everybody. Rabbi Nachman's bringing this pasuk to show you the connection again from hands because of the hands of Avi Yaakov. What in the world is going on here. What, what's going on here? We need the Gemara, we need the Midrash, we need the Zohar. How are we doing with time? Just a little bit here, okay? We'll start it this week and we'll continue the next year.
This pasuk, the Gemara says in Sota, is hinting to the test of Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik is called Yosef the Tzadik because he passed the test of sexual impurity. He had a big test with Potiphar's wife. If Potiphar's wife was somebody ugly, it wouldn't be a test. But Potiphar's wife was somebody very beautiful, okay? She was very beautiful. That's what made the test even much bigger, okay? So the story, the Gemara explains, and you know from the story in the Chumash, that she was hitting on him, she hitting on him, and he kept on refusing. And then, like Rashi explains one day, there was a holiday of the Egyptians, and everybody went to like the big theater, the Teatron, where everybody would assemble for the, for the, for the festival and the events of their holiday. The she Nibos. said that day, huh? Uh, the, the what? The, the, the Nile River. By whatever, okay. And she said, I'm not feeling well today, so she stayed home. So Yosef, at Tzadik, also stayed home. He went to take care, two opinions, of his master's errands, because he's, he's in charge of Potiphar's house. He's like the, the servant, the head, the head servant. And some say that he fell into temptation and he, was, he took this art like he couldn't control himself and he saw that she was staying alone at home, so he went to have relations with her. So it says, Vateshev be'etan kashto. This is the Gemara explains it. At that point, an image of Yaakov Avinu appeared to Yosef Atzadik as he was getting ready to be with her. In other words, he started getting heated up. He had even an erection. We have to be a bit open here because it's the Gemara talking, okay? He had even an erection and he was about to, to be with her. And then he sees an image of his father telling him at, at the window, Yaakov, uh, Yosef, my son, do you wish to lose your stone from the breastplate, from the Choshen? There's 12 stones on the breastplate corresponding to the 12 tribes. You are one of them, okay? If you do this act, action, you're going to lose your stone on the breastplate. Do you want that? It's funny, the commentaries, they ask, what are, you, what are you saying this example for? Pick, you know, something else. Say, you want to lose your olam abba? You want to lose something more big? What is this? So you lose your stone on the breastplate. Tell them what's really going to happen. That it's going to be in Gehenam and Karet and all the punishments in Gehenam. What are you using that? We'll get to that eventually. Visit the show, okay? He heard that. It was enough to wake him up, okay? So look what the Gemara says like this. Vateshev be'etan kashto. He was able to restore with strength the, the, the what's it called, direction that he had to control it, that there should be no wasted seed. He was able to control it, that, that nothing should happen. What did he do? So the Gemara says that he put the whole pressure of his body on his ten fingers. What, what happens when you do that? Somebody like, you know, who's not like a muscle man, whatever, a regular guy, when he puts now all the pressure of the body on the ten fingers, it hurts. It's, not, it's like, you know, when you do push-ups on your hands. You're like, on the fingers. You know, it kills. So he put his, all the pressure on the ten fingers, okay? And that way the pain of the fingers gave a hesechdat, gave a psychological change, and took away the erection, and that way he had no seed come out from there. However, he did lose ten drops of semen, the, the Gemara says this, and the Zohar says this, from between his fingers. That's why they said the, the, the Gemara says on the Pasuk, Ele Tordot Yaakov Yosef. These are the sojourns. There's no good English translation of Tordot. These are the sojourns, 
the story of the development of Yaakov. And it can be read like this. This is the todo, the children of Yaakov and Yosef. So the Gemara explains like this. Whatever happened to Yaakov should have happened to Yosef. We see that. There's parallels. Rashi says that. There's, he points out parallels. This one, his brother hated him. Esav hated Yaakov. This one, his brothers hated him. The brothers hated Yosef. This one and this. So another comparison, the Gemara says, so just like Yaakov had 12 sons, Yosef should have had 12 sons. But he lost 10 of them because of the 10 drops that came out of his hands, his 10 fingers. The draw, it's so crazy. How could semen go out from a different place of the body? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. When you hear this, it's absolutely crazy. It's unbelievable. But it was actual potential children, and he lost them. That's why Yosef had only two children, as opposed to 12. Yosef was supposed to have 12 sons, like Yaakov. In the end, he only had the two sons. However, Binyamin, who was a hashlama, a completion of his brother Yosef, the Zohar goes into this, of how Binyamin and Yosef are so connected, how many sons did Binyamin have? Ten sons. The ten sons came out eventually out of Binyamin and out of Yosef. In other words, he got it, and as opposed to him. All right? So, but the chef Peitan Kashto, his Kishui, his having an erection, was able to go settle back. Okay? Vayafozu Zrei Adav. So here, see? Vayafozu, the Gemara says, it's like, how do we learn out that the seed came out of the fingers? So it says, the word Vayafozu is like also Vayafotsu. Vayafotsu, okay? That hafatsa means to come out. What came out? The seed. The seed is compared to, it comes from, it's the idea of, of, of procreation and the desire for, for sexual relationship is associated with gold as opposed to silver. Okay? Zahav, it says, is the arousal for the, for the zugiyot. In Kabbalah, they say the idea of gold is what joins husband and wife together. Okay? It's a bit of deep. So Paz is the highest type of gold, and it's referring to the seeds which are a result of the heating of the relationship between husband and wife, which is the idea of gold. So Vayafozu is like gold, representing the, the result of marital union. And Vayafotsu also, they came out. The, the Paz, the, 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 the seed of man, which is greater than Paz, the gold, came out, Vayafotsu came out from the hands of, from the Yisrayada, from the the arms of his hands, Yadav is also like the the what is the zroim of the yadaim? There's the zroa is the arm, but when you say Yadav, what the, what is that? How do you translate Yadav? The arms of his hands, Yadav. So they say that this, that the hand also has legs. The fingers are called the legs of the hand. Here's the hand. This is the yad. This is the hand. The palm of the hand. These are also called zroim. Zra. These are like tiny hands, like tiny arms. It's like an arm here. And it's also little arms, okay? So look, again the Pasuk. Vateshev Be'etan Kashto. He was able to have Ketusha Tabrit. He didn't have spilled seed. He wasn't punished for spilled seed. The punishment for spill, spilled seed in vain is only when it comes out of the reproductive organ. If the seed comes out of somewhere else, the ears, the nose, whatever, in the case of Yosef's fingers, Okay, a person is not punished for Zer Levatana. You hear that? Unbelievable. So it's a big thing. The punishment for, for, for masturbation and all that 
is when it's connected with the heated up of the person on, on the, in the, in the Brit. That cause, that's the idea of Pagama Brit. If it comes out in a different place, it's all Pagama Brit. That's what happened by Yosef. It wasn't punished for Pagama Brit. The seed came out from a different place, but it, it wasn't with the Tava. I was able to control himself with the pain of, of holding on to the ten fingers, but the seed was already about to come out. So it didn't come out from there. He, he withheld his Tava. It came out of the fingers. Okay, by Fotsu Zeradav. All this through here, through who? This is following Rashi's explanation in the Gemara. Midei, Rashi reads it like this, Abiruto shel Yaakov. This all came about to the strength of Yaakov. You hear this? The strength of Yaakov, the hands. Midei means through the strength of Yaakov, which is, that's what the Gemara learns out, the image of Yaakov appeared. You hear this? This is something unbelievable. If it wasn't for the image of Yaakov appearing to Yosef, he would have fallen based on this. That means there was intervention, divine intervention, to help Yosef in, in his challenge. And this, Rav Nossin explains, is for the case for every Jew. Every Jew, when you're faced with a test, you are going to need intervention of a tzaddik to help you. It's learned out from here. Just like Yosef, who's also the example of a tzaddik, but Yosef also needed a tzaddik. Who is the tzaddik for Yosef? His father, Yaakov, is the, is the idea of the tzaddik. Of, of, we went into this. Remember Halichot Keli? You remember? Halichot Keli Malkiba Kodesh. That, uh, that, 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 that Yaakov is the idea of the, of the tzaddik. So, Mide Avir Yaakov, Misham, wherever he is. It's going to go on too long. We'll stop now. We'll continue next week. This is very exciting, very intense. There's a lot to say on this pasuk. And we'll go back to connect all these ideas to what Rabbi Nachman is saying. But basically, at this point, just the bottom line is that even for the bracha of the hands, you're going to need a tzaddik. That's why Rabbeinu first brought a pasuk of Aharon, because Aharon represents a tzaddik giving a bracha. And here also, Midei Avir Yaakov, the hands of another tzaddik, Yaakov, bring the bracha. That, as, as great as you are, as much as you have free will and everything, in your challenges, through simcha, to bring bracha in your life, you need a tzaddik. One example that Rabbi Nachman brings is Aaron, and another example that he brings is Yaakov, and we'll continue with this Bezat Hashem next class, Bezat Hashem. Shkoyach. Yeah, thank you. Recording stopped.